I felt like everybody was sort of watching my every move, like I was in a fishbowl, almost as if I had to live up to expectations that I thought people put on me. I mean, obviously now on reflection, it's expectations I put on myself. Oh, I've got to be this uber successful person. Shit, I'm actually 24 years old and I have no idea what I'm doing. Help me. Reality TV star, broadcast contributor, podcaster, and all around good person. Jade English is my guest on this episode of Worldwide Celeb. She's all over my social media, my TikTok. Hello and welcome to Worldwide Celeb, where we strip away the digital curtain and introduce you to the real people behind the personalities you see every day. As you scroll through your feed, click around the internet, or even listen to your favorite podcast, my name is Chris Kelly, and my guest on this episode first came on the scene as a contestant on season 13 of the British version of The Apprentice on BBC One in the UK. She was a PR and marketing manager who made it to the second to last round of the reality show before ultimately being fired and forced to head back to the rigors of the real world and her former career. Once she realized she wasn't having much fun doing any of that, she ultimately decided to leave the stress of corporate life behind, set out to find true happiness outside of her career, living her best life, becoming a self-proclaimed holistic happiness hunter, regular media contributor for BBC Radio Manchester blogger, an award-winning host of a very, very successful podcast called Finding Feel Good. For the podcast, she's traveled to Bali for a month to try out alternative Eastern techniques, habits, and rituals to get closer to the person she wanted to be, taking us along on the journey with her. She's very cool, always a good time, and somebody that I like to call a friend, Jade English. Welcome to Worldwide Celeb. Hello. How was that for an intro? Was that okay? Thank you for having me. That sounds absolutely mental, hearing all that back, and doesn't actually feel like me. I just, I always feel really funny, like, ever putting anything out there about like who you are as a person I always find it such a like a weird concept so before we get started in every episode I give to our guests a uh, secret word it can be and actually I've kind of switched up it's going to be a secret adjective like a big word it can be an ordinary word or it can be something preposterous but it's the guest's job to work that word into the conversation as many times as possible between now and the end of the episode and uh, for the listener, it's your job to try and figure out what that word is and tweet it at us. There are no prizes. You don't win anything. It's just for fun, for the sake of stupid fun. Jade has been given her secret word off the air before the show, so keep your ear out for what you might think it is during the episode. So where are you now, Jade? Right now, I am in a cabin in Anglesey in Wales. I'm actually building a house up the road at the moment. So I'm living in a little porter cabin, essentially, which was supposed to be for about two months. And it's ended up being for about two years on and off. So yeah, it's been pretty <laughs> crazy. <laughs> I don't, and for the, uh, the people in the United States... The UK is somewhat unique in how geographically things are structured out as far as what comprises Great Britain, the United Kingdom, England and Wales are not the same thing. No, 
most people, whenever you travel abroad, I've always noticed, they think that England is London. Right. So yeah, they go, oh, you're from London. I'm like, oh, no, 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 I'm not from London. They're like, where are you from then? I thought you were from the UK. And I'm like, yeah, there's other places. So in Wales is actually very rural, quite, um, I live by the seaside. I've actually been to Wales. And when you said it was very rural, I was going to say it's the kind of place where you find uh, fences made of stone. <laughs> it's like every great medieval movie where they've got the fences made out of stacked rocks. And there's still a lot of those in Wales that have been there for hundreds and hundreds of years and still haven't fallen down. I never even thought about the fact that that isn't a thing. Is it not? That's not a thing in America. No, no, no. My house was built in 1952 <laughs> and it's considered old. <laughs> that's so funny. And then I always make the joke with you guys. I'm like, you would consider our house a new build built in 1952. Yeah. I mean, the house that I'm renovating at the moment was uh, is from 1800. The house you're in right now was built in 1800? No. So the house that I'm doing up at the moment was done, was built in 1800. Ah, okay. uh, I'm living in like a little porter cabin whilst the house is being done up, which is on the road that I'm living now. You and I haven't really caught up for a while, so I'm kind of only privy to what's happening in your life based on what I see on like Instagram or whatever. But you've been doing kind of a lot of traveling lately, right? I have. I just love traveling so much. I feel like it makes me feel so much more connected to the earth, as hippie-ish as that sounds. But like, (laughs) I think if you get caught up in everyday life, which I definitely do when I'm back home, life can sort of seem quite normal sometimes. So I try to get away as much as I possibly can. Um, And I'm quite lucky that when I do work, I can do it online, really. Where there's been a lot of uh, I've seen like boats and a lot of really cool pools overlooking water and a lot of sun and tanned skin and all of that. Where are some of the places that you've gone? Because you're not Um, you're definitely not in any cold places. No, I think I'm allergic to the cold. I'm not going to lie to you. I um, so I went back to Bali. Actually, I was there for three months at the end of last year. And I went to St. Lucia a few weeks ago as well, ah. um, it, which was amazing. It was actually so different to what I expected. Like I thought it'd be really, really built up. and But I just kind of wanted a bit of winter sun and I found some really, really um, good flights. Um, but it was amazing. It was just dead chilled, like fish, rice and peas on the beach and all that sort of stuff. So I loved that. And then... Um, Lastly, I just went to uh, Cyprus on a retreat, which was absolutely crazy. Not like my usual trips, but it was, yeah, that was probably my best trip for a really, really long time because uh, there was like 30 other women there as well and we were doing like weird and wonderful things. It was actually quite like the podcast Finding Feel Good, weirdly. Tell me how you found Bali initially because it to- Long story short, the podcast Finding Feel Good was all about these alternative Eastern therapies to kind of find yourself. And like you tried, uh, I think there was a women's session, a women's group, and there was ice bathing and sound healing and uh, all kinds of different stuff that you tried. A, how did you discover Bali initially and get interested in these techniques and then discuss how you uh, thought it would make a great podcast. Wow, okay. So very, very long story that I will try and cut down a little bit. But um, 
it were so I never used to be into any of this woo-woo stuff. I actually was someone who would probably cringe hearing the word meditate or anything like that. I still do a little bit sometimes, don't get me wrong. But um I a few years ago, I think it must be six years ago now, I went on to the Apprentice, which is like a business show in the UK. I think you actually are, have one well, in America. Yeah, yeah. I, I was going to say we are well acquainted <laughs> with The Apprentice in the United States. People, okay. it, people have gone on to other things after that show, Oh, to name a few. But mm. yes, the UK version is a little uh, different in that it's a different person, a different uh, chairman of the board, so to speak. Yes, Lord Sugar. So he's like the, the main man of it all. Very successful businessman in the UK. So I went on the um, on the Apprentice BBC business show. So I'd always been like really, really ambitious and wanted to climb the corporate ladder and all that jazz. And then once I sort of got there, it, it felt a little bit soulless and a bit cold. And I, I kind of got to a point where I felt like I needed to just get away and, and work out what was important to me. So um, I went on a journey of self-discovery, I suppose you could call it, which I didn't realise it was at the time, but I, I went on holiday to Bali and ended up living with monks in India and was like, right, I just need to take some time away from uh, the business world and sort of figure out what I can do to make myself happy because I don't think I was going I was very happy at the time to be honest and yeah it snowballed and then I just couldn't get this idea out of my head for doing a podcast about finding feel which ended up being finding feel good so finding alternative techniques because there wasn't really much out there about breath work or ice baths or anything like that at the time They've obviously become a little bit more popular over the last few years, but it was, um, yeah, and it just sort of snowballed from there, and it it was one of the best experiences in my life. So to go go back a little bit, what were you doing before you went on The Apprentice? So I was working as a content marketing manager at a media agency in Manchester, and I so I used to work as a, a PR assistant at a PR agency prior to that. Absolutely loved it. It was mega like in my element, just being dead creative. Um, and just, I loved that buzz and that, that business environment. And then I, um, I took another job cause I got headhunted, offered loads more money and it turns out it just was not the right fit for me. And I, I ended up getting quite, uh, anxious and depressed whilst I was in that role really. Cause it was, um, just nobody really spoke or anything in the office, which is literally the thing that I love doing the most. So I think that was kind of the beginning of me wondering if there was another, another way to live life as well. Cause I, I always remember this pivotal moment when I was, sat at my desk and I think it was like I don't know a Tuesday afternoon it was gray it was raining which by the way (laughs) is the usual weather in Manchester where I'm from (laughs) on a daily basis and I, I just remember I'd like not spoken to anybody for hours I was tapping at my computer like it and I remember turning to the guy next to me and I was like is this it like is this all there is to life 
And he went, yep. Sounds like a movie. Yeah, honestly, it was like a movie because I remember clear as day him turning to me and going, yep, this is real life. And I remember thinking, this is not how I want my <laughs> life to be. And yeah, from there, I kind of, I would say that was when I sort of hit, well, what I thought was like rock bottom. <laughs> Turns out it can get worse sometimes <laughs> before it gets better. But it it felt like I sort of hit a wall there. But actually, I think that was just the start of me realizing what I didn't want for my life, which actually turned out to be the best thing ever in the end. So there you go. So from from there, how did the... You were on uh, season 13 of The Apprentice, which, again, mm-hmm. to clarify, Apprentice in the UK on BBC One. How did that come about? Did Were you sought out for that? Did you audition for it? So um, during that period where I was like, oh, God, all I kept thinking every time I went into work was I need to find a way to get out of this. I need to find a way to get out of this. But I kept thinking... I need to stay there for at least a year for it to look good on my CV. So I stuck it out, even though I was miserable. And um, I used to watch The Apprentice and I absolutely loved it. Everyone used to always say to me, Jade, you need to go on The Apprentice. You'd like do so well on that. And um, long story short, I ended up applying. I think there was like 70,000 applicants. 70,000? Oh my God. Yeah, a lot anyway. It was in the tens of thousands. And of course, I absolutely did not expect to actually get on. Uh, But I went through the rounds and I got through one round, then I got through another, then through another and was like, bloody hell, I think this is happening. And then it did happen. And it it was actually such a whirlwind because actually I think one of the things I realized in that process of getting ready to go on The Apprentice um I, I I quit my job and I was really set on like well to be honest I think initially I was set on losing weight for the show but then oh. in yeah weirdly so I was like right if I'm going on TV I've got to be thin so in my head I'm not saying that that's the how it should be by the way this is my narrative in my head at the time so I I quit drinking, I quit smoking, which I'd smoked for like 10 years, which is just crazy. Um, I started going to the gym, which I, you know, I did no exercise. I started being really healthy. And actually, it wasn't the thinness <laughs> that was like that made things feel better then. It was the fact that I'd, you know... I'd stopped drinking so much because I was in the media world. Like I was just drinking all the time. Um, You know, I'd stopped smoking and and it stopped my anxiety for a period of time. But then I think in the end, that actually ended up going against me being on The Apprentice because I think I then thought um, losing weight was what had made me feel better. But actually now looking on reflection... It wasn't that, and I probably came a bit obsessed with the with my body image at that point, but actually it was all the other things that I'd put in place to sort of um, make me feel better and stuff. So the, the experience of shooting the show, uh, you always hear there's a huge list of things you can and can't do, like it's a uh, pretty tightly controlled environment behind mm-hmm. the scenes. Is that true? Oh, yeah, yeah, like even more so than you would ever imagine. 
it's um it's really weird because when I talk about it, I can feel my throat almost close up as if it's like was <laughs> was such a stressful environment. I think my body like feet holds the stress, which is weird because it genuinely was one of the best experiences of of my life. But at the same time, it was still so. Uh, it's almost like an out of body experience because, yeah, like I said, you, you um, there was so many constraints. Like I literally didn't go to the bathroom without asking for permission for like two months, and then you always had microphones on you. Couldn't speak to your friends or family for months. I think you had a, a ten minute call once a week, but there was still a producer in the room with you, so you never, uh, you never got that time to just. Ah on your own yeah it was all very 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 odd and it we you mentioned earlier the main guy on the show is lord alan sugar he's a billionaire businessman in the uk obviously a bit different than his american counterpart who most people in the u.s probably <laughs> has heard of how much time did you get to interface with him and you know was he an okay guy was he intimidating or no he was always really really nice to me um i actually i never got in the bottom three so i didn't really have that much one-on-one time with him either so like everybody thinks it's really good well I thought it was an advantage to not go into the boardroom and go into the bottom three because obviously it shows that you're doing something right but actually in hindsight I would want to be in the bottom three because it gives you more one-on-one time with Lord Sugar I think if I was to do The Apprentice again like as if I'd never done it before I would probably play it quite differently i think yeah actually that leads to the perfect follow-up question because you ultimately didn't win the competition and you were fired on the third to last show if i'm not mistaken how did it feel at the time and looking back now do you still feel the same way that you did then when it happened or do you look back like obviously so many of us do at stuff we've done in our past and feel different about it like Maybe it wasn't as big of a deal as you thought now that you have a fresh perspective or does it still, do you still feel the same way you did then when you were booted from the show? <sighs> so I, I had a really good business idea and that was the main reason that I wanted to go on the show. And I, I genuinely 100% went onto the show to get the investment to then launch my business I was absolutely devastated when I got booted from the show because I had sort of like planned in my head that my next steps were going to be being this uh being a business partner of Lord Sugar right I think the difference is now I would have treated it like a television show as opposed to like a business process because Actually, I think that is what it is more so than a than a business process. So you were you were looking at it as your your big break in your career and not like as a TV personality or an actress, but as a business person. Yeah, definitely. So I so one of the things that's quite odd to me when I look back on reflection is I I obviously wasn't aware that I was doing this at the time but now looking back I can see what I sort of did prior to The Apprentice I was like this party girl who would go out drinking smoking you know being that person 
And then when I sort of stopped all that and tried to um, get myself, well, make myself a better person, when I went on The Apprentice, I think I almost like went into this character where I was trying to live up to this person I wanted to be. So I think the way I held myself in the show was quite, um, maybe quite different to how I actually am in real life now I think about it, because I think I was very businesslike. I think I was just trying to prove to Lord Sugar and probably to myself and my family in the world that I was a serious businesswoman. But I think that's maybe the thing that sent me a bit funny after the show because I kept trying to live up to this person on the show, the character on the show that I'd almost created and then being really disappointed with myself when I wasn't this super organized, super like tw- motivated 24-7 because actually I'm I'm a human. Um, but it was, it was very... It's a very odd psychological thing being on TV, especially when it's been edited and there's been a period in between because there's so many different versions of of the events in your head. There's what actually happened. There's the edited version of what happened. And then there's also like the six months in between of it being recorded and then going sure, out where sure. you're trying to piece the pieces together and work out how you might be perceived or how that story might have been put together. So I think it can be quite psychologically damaging or just very psychologically weird, actually, not even necessarily damaging because then when the, when the show comes back out, you aren't sure what's the reality, what's your what's been edited and kind of whether your perception was warped because you couldn't see the bigger picture. It's, it's so bizarre, but I, I guess in social media, it's kind of similar now, isn't it? We've got like the real us and then we've got the version of us that is online. And actually even the person that is online is not really you. It's a, it's a character that you have put out for the world to see. It's very odd. My wife sent me this thing the other day that um, kind of put things into perspective. You had said coming out of the show, waiting that six months to see how it was all going to air and how it all came together with the edits and everything else. Mm. And knowing that all of these things that happened in the time that you were there shooting the show or whatever were ultimately going to be exposed to the world on TV kind of made me think of she had sent me this thing that said when we were kids – like if you had a bad day or a really embarrassing thing that happened to you or somebody was picking on you or whatever, you'd come home and you were free of it. By the time you mm. got picked up or dropped off by the bus, you were home and you didn't have to worry about any of the drama from school. Nowadays, these kids, you know, there's people Snapchatting, somebody falls on their face at lunch and it goes viral around the school by an hour later because Snapchat and Facebook and whatever TikTok, and I feel like that would be really a lot of pressure as a kid today, growing up, knowing that every little mistake you make could turn into something big pretty quickly. Is it similar to that, do you think, kind of, it's the magnification of it all? 100%. I I agree with you. I can't imagine what it must be like being a teenager growing up with social media, because 
I don't know about you, but there's some things I did when I was a teenager that if social media was around, I would be absolutely mortified that it was still around to see when I'm 30 years old. So it's like, it's just, it's such a weird world that we live in. And absolutely, it was actually probably that that I think sent me a bit weird after I sort of did the show as well, because I felt like everybody was sort of watching my every move. I felt really um, like I was in a fishbowl and like I kept like almost as if I had to live up to expectations that I thought people put on me. I mean, obviously now on reflection, it's expectations I put on myself. But um, I think once you've been on a reality TV show, norm like as everybody does, because, you know, people have spent their time watching you on the TV, they're invested and they want to know what your next moves are. And I think for me, because I didn't know what my next moves were, because I expected to win the show, I guess, or I hadn't really given myself like permission to think of an alternative reality other than going forward and and creating this business. Um, I was like, oh, I've got to be this uber successful person now and I was like shit I'm actually 24 years old and I have no idea what I'm doing help me (laughs) (laughs) we and coming out of you mentioned the fishbowl thing too and I've heard you talk about this before and I never really followed up on it the um there was like behind the scenes obviously cast members are all together and there was a little romance behind the scenes or whatever but coming out of the show you were very much a target for the paparazzi if you will uh around the promotion of the show and whatnot that you i heard you say somewhere along the way i don't know if it was another interview or in in uh in finding feel good something about uh, photographers trying to get shots of you in your underwear and whatnot so were you like stalked if you will by the press after this or between shooting and it the time it came out or while it was airing or what was the deal there So it was really weird. This was definitely a very stressful part of the show. So when I was um, going on the show, I'd actually been with somebody for six years and um, there was another cast member who was also in a relationship. And when you're in that show, like I said before, you literally can't speak to anybody else. Mm. You're like put in such a pressure cooker. You feel so alone and like you've got nobody and it's a really scary sort of place to be. So you almost form like these weird trauma bonds or something with the people that you're in the show with because you haven't got anybody else. And I became really close with one of the other guys there um, and on the outside world, nothing happened whilst we were in the actual house, so to say, that would be, you know, bad. But on, on, on the way out, we ended up breaking up with our partners and, and being together. But obviously because of that six-month gap between recording and actually being aired, it looks very different because to the outside world it's almost as if um it happened yesterday but it happened like six months ago and all that jazz so when when the apprentice actually aired 
um, they turned up at my parents' house because it was like a big story because uh, they'd sort of latched onto the fact that we used to have partners and all that sort of stuff. Um, and they were like turning up at my ex-boyfriend's house. And then the really awful thing about the British media, which is quite ironic because I actually did a journalism degree, <laughs> which is also what kind of put, put me off that direction, um, was they can write lies about you and they can make up quotes. And then if you try and get them to retract them, they're like n- either no, it's already happened or yes, they'll retract them. But by that point, the damage is already done. People already think that things have happened when they haven't. Um, and it yeah, it was just a really, really weird time because I felt so helpless and like my image was in the hands of the British media. And it's, I don't know, it was quite sad really because like I said, I'd always grown up wanting to sort of be in that world having trained to be a journalist. And then when I saw the level of journalism in the UK, it was actually quite embarrassing. Like they literally lifted a picture off my Instagram of Khloe Kardashian and posted an article as if that was me. They didn't even check if that was me. Yeah. And then they, they made up a quote from that guy's ex. They, uh, they got like the amount of time that I've been with my partner wrong. Just, there was just no facts. It was just, um, clickbait essentially, but within it, like trying to, drag down my reputation which was really sad because it was it was definitely a different story for um the, the guy actually it was definitely it's a very female attack I would say that the uh the British press tend to go for I I would think that it, you know if I'm honest it's kind of pissing me off a little bit thinking about it that the press and or people God knows who on the social media comments and everything else i would be very defensive of you because i feel like actually knowing you you are none of those things at all like you i feel like you you probably would be pegged with something that it's not necessarily true based on the fact that you're an attractive tall blonde woman that it looks like an easy target in that regard right absolutely i find that really hard like i I know I am a nice person and I I try and make people feel good. And you are a nice person for what it's worth. I will confirm that. You are a very <laughs> Thank nice you. person. Thank you. <laughs> I felt like I wanted to go around to everybody and be like, oh, hi, I'm Jade, by the way. <laughs> I'm not the person that like it, it seems I am on, on the media. It's very weird. But then and I, but then I, I wish I was one of those people that didn't care about what people thought about me. I think that was quite um, an eye-opening thing. I think it made me realize that I care too much about what people think about me because actually I should have just gone, you know what? I don't care sure. if you think I'm this person. But it it was definitely a hard thing, I think, at like 24 being like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not, I'm not this person. But um back on the the tall blonde thing as well that you said before so like I said I I before I went on The Apprentice I was like a bit overweight I really didn't look after myself um I had like suffered with really bad acne before um and 
I honestly had never seen myself as someone who would be described as attractive. Like that is just not the box I would ever, ever in a million years have put myself in, ever. Um, But when I went on The Apprentice, I, I had got in good shape, like, and all of a sudden, like, people were putting me as this, like, oh, the blonde bombshell from the show. And I was like, who the hell are they talking about? Like, I'm not, huh? And then I sort of was watching it back and I was like, I don't think I am who I think I am. Like, I sort of started seeing this jade English person. I was like, oh, like, you know, maybe I do look all right or maybe I am actually a bit more capable than I've given myself credit for in in my life. And then so I think that was almost like a bit of a a weird thing as well because my whole I didn't I didn't know my identity at all. I was like I don't actually I kind of for a while after the apprentice didn't know what I even liked anymore. I wasn't sure if I was like this party girl pre-apprentice or this wholesome businesswoman that was on the show or so I think that's also a big part of like why I sort of went on this self-healing journey because to be honest with you, I just had absolutely no idea who I actually was, really. The premise of the podcast is all about not specifically social media, but compared to some of the other guests that we've got, your following on traditional social media isn't quite as large, but I've always maintained that's because you don't use it and you don't care about it that much. Do you think it's something that you'll ever really get into? Like, are we ever going to see a, a Jade English TikTok account where you're cooking pancakes or anything like that i mean i'm quite loquacious so i just love talking to people (laughs) (laughs) Uh, um do you have any like relatively famous people who follow you anywhere online and if so who are they if you don't mind sharing and then also what uh celebs do you follow on any social, like, whose content do you find you appreciate to speak to putting out legitimate, authentic things as opposed to fake filtered things? Yes. So uh, Jay Shetty follows me and he is a he's a dude on Instagram who um, has one of the most successful podcasts in the world. And he is I mean, I think his last interviewee on that was Kim Kardashian and he I mean he is literally I think he's got like almost three million followers now or something he's he's a bit of a he's a bit of a big deal I would say but I the re the way he follows me is just before I went to live with monks in India which he did which is why he's famous um we connected on LinkedIn I think just after The Apprentice and he messaged me saying oh, you were my favorite on The Apprentice. I really wanted you to win. And then long story short, we ended up on the phone and talking about I might go and live with monks. It was very, it is actually such a weird story now when I think about it. So anyway, Jay Shetty, he follows me. And um, Jack Whitehall, the comedian, he also follows me. Mm. Um, Because I had a cheeky snog with him one night. (laughs) 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 <laughs> he he also said he went oh i uh i know you i know you from the apprentice so that was quite weird because he's a very famous um 
comedian. Oh, by the way, this is donkeys years ago as well. He he now is very happily in a relationship with a child, and so am I. So, <laughs> but this is years ago. What uh, and who do you follow that? who's who's doing good stuff online that you're like oh this is a a good message or whatever um i follow a girl called megan rose lane and she is she's actually the lady who runs the retreat that i just went on Mm. and she's just amazing she's uh she's all about like learning to love yourself um personal development she's just a very authentic person and she's i think she has managed to navigate social media really well and uses it for good so i think she helps a lot of women sort of uh feel good about themselves really and she is she just shows up as herself and then i have to admit when i went on this retreat i thought oh no i'm gonna meet her and and what if she's not Oh, I yeah. think she is because I've I've met people. Yeah, <laughs> I've met people in real life after I've met them on social media, or you know, they always say you shouldn't meet your heroes, don't they? Um, but she was even better in real life. She was like so genuine, kind. Um, so that was that was a really really nice experience. So I'd say Megan Rose Lane. She's definitely the one for me online. What's next for you? What's in your near future? What are you doing right now? And what's on your longer term goals where we might see more or hear more from you? Well, I uh, so I've got a few things going on at the moment. So I'm building my house, which I am turning into a fitness retreat as well in the Ah. future, which is actually something that we discussed on uh, Finding Feel Good. I sort of got that that vision in my head. So um that's one of the things I'm going to do I still work in podcasts so I do content producing for various podcasts and I've actually got a new role in London that I'm starting in a couple of months which I'm absolutely buzzing for and I am also a fitness instructor as well so I'm sort of spinning a lot of plates but I've realized that I am a human that needs lots of different stimulation. So it's good for me to have a few different things going on, I think, rather than than just the one. Uh, I'm going to do kind of a little bit of a lightning round thing. So quick answers on these. What's your worst bad habit? I'm quite, I'm quite messy. (laughs) I can't believe I just admitted that, but I am. (laughs) Uh, what, do, what are your, do you have any guilty pleasures like binging a certain TV show or something you can't do without that nobody would know you're into? Yeah, I love selling Sunset and I have to admit, I also really like the Kardashians oh. and I, I wouldn't, I can't believe I just said that as well, but yeah, selling Sunset is so good. What music do you listen to? What's the best concert you've ever been to and what was the worst? Best concert. Oh, that's so hard. Oh, I saw it is hard. It is. It's really hard. But I always feel like with these things, you should say the first thing that comes to your mind. And the first thing that came to my mind was a pink concert that I went to when I was little. Mm. And she was amazing. She literally was doing acrobats whilst singing upside down, hanging on with one foot and she never missed a note. Honestly, she was insane. And everybody I've spoken to afterwards has said uh, that she's equally as amazing now. 
I will concur. I've seen her and we'll see her again soon, actually. And <gasps> I uh, I totally concur. She puts on a hell of a show. I uh, The funny thing is mm. I was going to ask, what's the worst concert? And then when you said something about the first thing that comes into your head, I can't think of a worst concert I've ever been to. But do you have one? Oh, I actually did just think of one then. But I feel like this, uh, it might not go into the context, but... So my partner, he is a really good guitar player and he was taking lessons at this place. It's like a music gym where you you go and you play with other people and they learn to do music. And they had a concert on at the end of like their thing uh, to show off what they'd all learned. And he was like, oh, I don't think I'm going to do it. And I was like, no, you should definitely do it. Definitely do it. Make sure you do um, so he did it and this guy said to him oh you should go with I can't remember his name Joe Bloggs he's a really good singer um, anyway it turns out he was pulling his leg and he actually <laughs> oh I feel really I feel really mean saying this but he he could not understand a beat or like it was I'm just trying what's a really well-known song that you could sing a line of Chris and and I'll I'll try and explain uh, what I mean through song. So say like um uh, Okay I, I got a 2-year-old and a 4-year-old. Everything I have comes from Coco Melon these days. I couldn't tell you. Is the YMCA a song in America? I don't know why that just Yeah, came yeah. Up. Okay, yeah, so you sure. know how like YMCA you, Okay, so you know how that goes. YMCA he would couldn't understand the structure of a song that it would it would go Y M C A and you're like no you can't actually think that he just couldn't get it and so I'm at the front of this this um, of the audience watching and Ian looks at me and he's trying to go slow and then he's trying to go fast and he's trying to go, he's trying to keep up with this guy in this new rhythm that he's created <laughs> and he just couldn't. And as soon as Ian looked at me in the eye, I I just couldn't control myself and I was, I couldn't stop laughing. It was awful. But obviously, I was not laughing out loud. I was like trying to hide it, but my eyes were streaming <laughs> and it was... I actually think it's the funniest moment of my life because it was just so. Oh my god! Oh, it was so good. I uh, anyway, I can that one. <laughs> see all this going down in my head, and it is hilarious for sure. Oh, it was so funny to to, to wrap things up a little bit. Everybody's got some like go to wisdom they whip out from time to time, like whether professionally or personally. For like for me, uh, whenever people that are about to become parents, for example, they'll. You know, they're like, what's your best advice? And I always say it's not to follow anyone's advice because every kid is different. Every situation is different or whatever. So ignore everybody's advice. Or like, I uh, I always like to share how when I was a kid, my dad would hammer into my head to always read the sports page every day because it would always give you something to talk about with people out and about around town or whatever. What is the most sage advice you've ever been given that you feel would be good to share with others on any topic whatsoever. Okay, so I did the same thing where I try and just say the first thing that comes to my head because I feel like that's what your body wants you to say. So there's a quote that is, I'm not who you think I am. I'm not who I think I am. 
I am who I think you think I am. I am who you I am. No, have I said that I, right? I feel like I'm going to have to say that again. Hold on. Let me say it one more time. It's like living in a perception of a perception, isn't it? So like you will act to me how you think I think you are. How I think you think you. So if I yeah. think that you think, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if I think that you think highly of me, I think that you like me, I'll act in a certain way because that's what I believe. But in reality, I don't know what you think of me. Oh. And you probably act in a certain way to me because of what you think I think of you. So we're all living in this perception of like, we're not actually just who we think we are. We're trying to be the person that we think everybody else thinks we are. And guess what that is? Right or wrong, basically. Yeah. And it could be so, so wrong because actually... Oh. It's it's not a real thing. My my, um, my friend actually said something to me yesterday that, that made this one come back up for me because he said, oh, I can tell that everybody treated me like that because they, they um, you know, they used to think I was good looking when I was younger and, and so I've been more successful because of that. And I said, is that like, do, do you know that that's the truth or is that what you think you think everybody thinks about you? So maybe you just held yourself differently because you presumed that you thought that they thought you were attractive. So therefore you act like a different person. I think there is a lot of legitimacy to what you're saying. And I will say I am more successful with people who already think I'm successful. Yes. You appeared, you you feel, once you feel, this is, damn it, Jade, you picked a really complicated one to explain, but I'm feeling <laughs> what you're trying to explain. It's, you feel... It's it's almost like a confidence sort of a thing that when people think highly of you, you try to meet that expectation, therefore increasing your actual performance or ability or whatever. Yeah, but I also think it's very relevant to this whole podcast because actually, if you put something out on social media, you don't know how everybody feels about that post you're trying to interpret and guess what people think about you based on that but that's not their perception that's still your own perception of what you think someone else is going to think of you so <laughs> it's yeah it's wild well my mind is blown uh to finish that up a little bit <laughs> and uh I've really enjoyed this. You are, uh, as always, a, a fun catch-up on and off of recording something. And uh, I do, in fact, not just saying this because of your sage advice, but I do, in fact, think you're a good person, and I do like you. And uh, Thanks, Chris. I like you, too. I thank you so very, very much for spending time on this, what are we calling this show? Worldwide Celeb. Ooh, thanks for having me. My thanks to Jade for the chat this episode. You can catch her on season 13 of The Apprentice in the UK online and wherever it is streaming. Also on Twitter and Instagram at It's Jade English. And thank you for listening. We'll catch you next time on Worldwide Celeb. 
Be sure to like or follow at WW Celeb Podcast on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter. If you like the show, please leave a positive review and subscribe to stay up to date on new episodes when they're released. Wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts, Worldwide Celeb is a Wavecast Studio production hosted and produced by Chris Kelly with production and promo support from Adriana Botterill and Justin Simkin. For booking information and more details about the podcast, visit WorldwideCelebPodcast.com. 